0: Well, this morning we continue our mini-series entitled Sheltered in Joy. And of course, we are making our way through the book of Philippians, looking at highlighted sections where Paul the Apostle brings forward for us uh, the idea of how you and I, in difficult circumstances, can still experience joy. And as we are making our way through some of the highlighted areas of this book... As he concludes now and as he is wrapping up his thoughts to this precious church that he loves so much that he wishes he could be with uh, physically and directly, but there, therefore he has been prohibited due to the fact that he's in jail, that is, he's in prison for the spreading of the gospel there in Rome. He is waiting his time, that is Paul's is waiting his time to come before Caesar to see if he will be released to further uh, expedite the gospel or if this will be the moment that the Lord brings him home. But as we conclude and come to the end of this letter over the next couple of weeks, Paul writes to these individuals that he knows are also going through a very difficult time in life. For many of those sweet Christians in Philippi are now becoming uh, Objects of scorn and persecution due to the fact that they were unwilling to acknowledge Caesar as God. And Caesar demanded to be worshiped as God. And being Christians, knowing that there's only one true God, they were unwilling to bow their knee to Caesar. And as a result, they began to be persecuted by the society, they were scorned by the society. And the way persecution would often take place in the Roman Empire would be that these individuals, if they held places of prestige, those places of prestige would be taken away from them. If they were men of great wealth or families of great wealth, their wealth would be taken from them. And these individuals would be left with nothing until they capitulated and they were willing to worship Caesar as God. Paul knew that the church in Philippi were, were going under incredible persecution and suffering. And he desired to be with them during this time, physically with them. But as I mentioned earlier, he himself was physically restrained, being in Rome himself in prison, being able to write to them, but not being able to be with them. And as he concludes his letter he writes these words, and we pick it up in verse 6 this morning. Let's read together. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. For the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know if there's a more vulnerable position that a person can find themselves in when they are confronted or faced with overwhelming circumstances of a negative nature. I don't know if there's a more vulnerable place that they can be in at that time than also feeling alone while they face that incredible mountain before them. Paul knew that the circumstances that the Philippian church was experiencing was undoubtedly causing within them a great deal of fear and anxiety. He knew that their circumstances had changed rapidly. Maybe at one time they were of prestige in the community and now they are no longer. Maybe they were wealthy at one time and now they are no longer. And they've been left with nothing. And in that position of being left with nothing, Paul anticipated that they also felt as if they were alone and that that no one was able to speak or intercede on their behalf. I believe this is why Paul so desperately wanted to be with them, to encourage them at this time, to let them know that they are not alone. And yet, even at this moment, with Paul being imprisoned and having a moment to reflect upon his life, And looking to Christ to sustain him during the difficulties that he's personally experiencing. And of course, even remembering the fact that the very first time that he came to Philippi, he was arrested, thrown into jail, thrown into the stockades in the deepest part of the prison. And chose to worship God and praise the Lord. Even for the incredibly overwhelming, uncomfortable, and difficult circumstance in which they found themselves. And of course, you know the story. God interceded, and a great earthquake took place, and the prison doors were thrown open. And you can read the rest of that account in the book of Acts, if you like. But undoubtedly now, Paul, in his moment of feeling alone, wanted to encourage those in Philippi, that they were not alone. He wanted to remind them of the reality that God is with them. And he proceeds everything that he writes to them by saying the Lord is near. And therefore, he says rejoice, and it's an imperative. He's commanding them, rejoice, rejoice. And he says, let your reasonableness in the ESV or graciousness in the New King James be seen amongst all. Show and demonstrate to the world around you that a supernatural thing is happening within you. And then instead of responding to the overwhelming fearful circumstances accompanied with feeling alone and abandoned possibly... He says, let it be a reality to you that even at this moment, the Lord is near. And therefore, be gracious, be gentle, be, you know, be reasonable. Paul was asking them to consider their witness at this time. He wanted others to view these Christians in this predicament and see that something supernatural was carrying them. And instead of reverting to the natural reaction that we would expect any uh, normal human being to do, and that is to become anxious and fearful. Because like Paul, those in Philippi, these Christians in Philippi, didn't know how their lives were going to turn out. They didn't know if they would eventually be released or if their further resistance to worship Caesar would cost them their lives. But Paul here says rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice and let your reasonableness be known. Paul says, let them see you respond in a supernatural way to these natural circumstances. Respond like no one else would and let them see as a light in the darkness the supernatural work that God is doing in you. And therefore, since the Lord is near, And this is the key to the understanding of everything that follows in these verses. Paul wanted them to know and understand that God was with them during this particular moment in time. That he hadn't abandoned them. And that he would never leave them nor forsake them. And that God was with them. And scholars debate, if Paul is referring to the return of Jesus Christ meaning that the return of the Lord is near, looking at it as a more uh, eschatology-derived uh, you know, doctrine, meaning that when he returns, Jesus will set up everything correctly and restore things to how they should be. And of course, we know that the apostles, throughout their letters, lived in the anticipation of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. But other scholars lean to the fact that no paul is just simply referring to the fact that jesus is with them he's omnipresent he is everywhere at one time now that he has ascended to the father and as a result they could be confident they could know that the lord is with them and he was near to them i actually think both are correct i i personally believe that Paul wanted them to know that he's here with you now and one day he will return. And therefore he then can ask and command. It's an imperative, these next couple of words. He says, be anxious for nothing. Not for some things, but for nothing. Now when we talk about an individual becoming anxious, worried, fearful, I like how the old King James used to use the word fretting, you know, about the circumstances and the difficulties that they have, uh, are experiencing, causing these natural emotions to surface at that time. Let us also understand that things that, such as feeling that you're alone in it all, that you have no voice, and that nobody is with you, can also be a devastating uh, experience for an individual that would cause them to become even more anxious and worry even to a greater degree but there was another element and that is the unknown for as they sat in prison undoubtedly many of them of course being persecuted for their faith in christ they didn't know what the outcome was going to be of their imprisonment And so not only were they faced with a monumental circumstance being persecuted for the gospel of Jesus Christ as young believers in Christ, undoubtedly due to the fact that the time that this letter was written, it had only been 30 some years since the ascension of Christ. These new believers were overwhelmed by the persecution that they experienced and faced. Then on top of it, they felt alone. And Paul wanted to encourage them and comfort them throughout the letter. He says, I certainly wish I could be with you physically. Anticipating, I I believe, and knowing that they felt alone. It's kind of like along the lines when we read about Jesus. I'm sorry, Paul, when he was in Corinth. And Jesus appeared to him and spoke to him. One of the only times that we see Christ approaching Paul in the book of Acts and he says, don't be afraid, Paul, for there are many here who, have, who are mine. See, he said that to Paul because Jesus knew Paul's heart, though there was nothing previously written by Luke to give us the impression that Paul was afraid. But by Jesus saying that, Jesus saw as God Paul's heart and mind. And it appears that Paul was afraid. I believe that Paul assumed the same here and wrote accordingly. There's no greater vulnerable position than one that one can find themselves in, and that is being overwhelmed by a negative circumstance, feeling alone in the midst of it, and not knowing the outcome of it. That would lead any natural, normal person to anxiety. the word anxiety there that Paul uses is very descriptive in the Greek language. It means to be torn up inside. It means to be so troubled by it that you can't sleep at night. It means that you're consumed by it day and night. And that you've allowed it to take a toll upon you. And Paul realized that this would be the natural reaction that anyone would have. But Paul here then calls them to live not in the natural world, but in the supernatural world. He asks them to be reasonable, gracious. He asks them to be uh, peaceful and calm during this moment. Well, how could Paul ever ask a person to do that? It's unnatural. As Christians, let us understand that we've been given the Holy Spirit to allow us to do unnatural things in that regard to do supernatural things to have joy even in a situation where i'm overwhelmed by my circumstances i feel alone in front of them and i don't know how things are going to turn out paul says at that moment be anxious for nothing Now, if he didn't include the word nothing there, it would be easy to simply apply this in the sense that Paul is only talking about the experience here in the book of Philippi. But the grammar that he uses here shows us that as believers, we should allow ourselves to walk careless in this world. Now, let me be clear. I'm not talking carelessly. I'm not saying uncaring. I'm, say, I'm saying that we should walk throughout this world in the light of the reality that God is with us with all the promises that He has given us, that Jesus is near to us and that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. I believe that we truly can walk carefree. Again, I'm not advocating that we be careless or uncaring of others, but simply that we are not going to allow the circumstances that we are going to encounter each and every day of our lives to overwhelm us to the point where we begin to grow anxious within us. I believe that these circumstances bring us to a fork in the road, if you will, in our, with our, in, within our walks in Christ. And one of those forks, one of those directions, can take us into worry, anxiety, and fear. And of course, that's the way the natural person would react. But I believe there's a second road. And that road is a road of peace and joy and calm that can only be discovered, obtained, and maintained in and through the Holy Spirit. So notice what Paul says here very clearly in our text. He says, be anxious for nothing. And that nothing can include a huge negative circumstance or it can be a uh, a uh, minimal uh, just interruption throughout our day he says don't grow anxious over these things be anxious and he says it's a command now how can paul command us to do something that we are incapable of doing he can't there has to be a manner in which god has given us to fulfill that commandment and i believe that's what he talks about next Notice what he says. He moves into the next portion of the verse, and he says, Now in everything, in contrast to nothing, don't respond in anxiety to anything. Nothing. But now in everything, no matter what you experience, now respond in prayer and in supplication with Thanksgiving. There is very little difference between these words used here, but let me flesh it out for you a little bit to help you understand what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying here is that he looked to each and every Christian to cultivate and develop their own personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And in that communion relationship between my Father and I through Christ... A peace that surpasses all understanding shall be given unto us. When Paul talks about praying in this way in everything, with, he goes on, thanksgiving, he's talking about a purposed attitude, a, perso- a purposed discipline within the believer's life. Instead of growing anxious or responding in worry and fear, I'm going to choose to pray. And I'm going to ask God in supplications for the things that I'm in need of. And I'm going to do it with a heart. Notice that word of thanksgiving. The word with there isn't so much classifying an action, but it's more or less defining an attitude. Paul wants us to have an attitude always of thankfulness. And he goes on to kind of spell that out when he talks about being content in all circumstances we'll leave that for next time but this morning understand that paul wants us to generally be governed by an attitude of gratitude and when we are faced with dilemmas and these huge circumstances that we are confronted by within our lives and we feel alone and the outcome is unknown paul says pray about it rather than getting anxious Now, you and I both know that Jesus spoke many times on worry and fear and anxiousness. And he asked the question, he says, well, what good does it actually do to worry about these things? What does it profit you? Paul is saying, now let's cultivate, rather, a relationship with Christ. And when we are faced with these things, that we naturally are inclined then to go to God in prayer Praising him, thanking him with an attitude of gratitude, accompanied with, this word supplication now comes into play also, requesting the things that we are in need of, the specifics. Fully knowing that Jesus told us that he knows of everything that we're going to ask of him before we ever ask. Why? As Paul said, because he's near us and he knows what we're going through. I think that's a really important part of this whole understanding that he is near us. Again, feeling alone can be a very uh, desperate place. It can be a very vulnerable place. This is why Jesus stressed to his disciples that he would never leave them nor forsake them. That he was going to be with them always and has given us the spirit to assure us of that fact. But even practically. I'll never forget an experience I had as a parent years ago. And it's interesting because it was the same experience that I had with my dad years prior to that. Back in high school, I was in a significant car accident. A friend of mine and I were driving home after school in his souped-up Camaro, and it was a beautiful car and incredibly fast. He had put a lot of work and money into it. And I asked him, since I was in such a cool car and my car was a Ford Maverick and didn't really uh, gain the attention of anyone except Rust, I asked him if we could follow this young lady home Uh, with her boyfriend and I was going to see if I could persuade her to date me rather than the guy that she was with and so being the adult children that we were I say that purposely we decided to show off and we were following them home and as they all of a sudden made a stop we thought we would be so cool and my friend took off in this beautiful car and on a side street in Elk Grove Village at he got the car up to 55 miles an hour. We were flying. And then the road that we were on turned. And we ended up hitting a light post at 55 miles an hour. It is interesting to me because I, next thing I remember, I was in the ambulance being taken to the hospital. And I was terrified. I don't know what had come about me, but I was absolutely terrified. I had actually hit my head on the visor of the car and the uh, paramedic told me that um, that's what kept me from going through the front windshield. The engine actually had come into the cab of the car. And I was in the hospital. And I was terrified. I don't know why I was so afraid, but I was terrified. And I remember them having to stitch my head back together again. And I was just, I, I don't know why I was so afraid. And then all of a sudden, even though I was a high schooler, and I don't, I don't, I'm not ashamed to admit this, all of a sudden I felt this hand grab my hand. And then I heard his voice. And he said, Eric, I'm here now. Everything is going to be okay. It was my dad. I'd never been in anything like that before. I was terrified. But my dad grabbing my hand even in that moment because, again, I didn't know what was going on, what was happening. They were talking about what they had to do. I was terrified of that. And then I just felt his hand and his voice. And a peace came over me. It was just incredible. It was just incredible. Later, as a parent myself, an evening where my daughter as an infant was under the weight of an incredible fever And we were pacing the house because we didn't have insurance at that time. And we were debating if we should take her to the emergency room or not because we literally didn't have the money to pay for it. But it eventually came evident that we needed to. And we took her to the hospital. And the moment we got there, they took her away from us. And as a new dad, I heard my daughter just screaming at the top of her lungs because she was alone. She was afraid. And I remembered that incident with my father. And I asked the nurse if I could go in and just hold her hand. And I did. And they allowed it. And as I held her hand, I, I'm not kidding, she stopped crying immediately. And I just assured her that dad was here. That's what God does for us when we're going through extraordinary circumstances and he meets us through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving and allows us to experience his presence with us see his presence is a reality though we physically don't see it and i can't touch him physically it doesn't negate that the fact is that the reality is is that he is here with me through all things And sometimes we just need to be steadied by dad's hand, don't we? Just holding our hand and saying, hey, it's going to be okay. I am with you and I believe that's what Paul was conveying here. And he says, let your requests be made known to God. Because Paul wanted you to focus on God and not your circumstances. Paul wanted you to keep your eyes on God and by doing so through prayer, And supplication with thanksgiving. And allowing God to do what God does. Notice with me in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The New Testament invites us when it says to us, Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. David, the psalmist, throughout the psalms, continuously referenced this same concept, that God is there and he cares about what we are going through. And through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, knowing that he is near us, he then imparts to us a peace that surpasses all natural understanding. It moves beyond our conscious understanding and natural conclusions of logic. And therefore allowing us to look peaceful and calm and gracious to those who do not know the, world, uh, the Lord in the world when we are going through such difficult perilous times you and I as believers during this crisis have an opportunity like no other we get to show the world around us that what we say we believe in we truly do believe in you and I have the opportunity to be a calming effect upon our nation upon our society upon our families upon our friends upon our communities By allowing them to see us responding supernaturally, proceeding through this crisis. And even though we may be confronted with a crisis that we could have never pictured or imagined prior, and even though the times that we are are sequestered in our homes, we feel so alone and that we are by ourselves. And that the future is unknown, and we don't know how this is going to play out. Looking to the future, many are are consumed with worry and fear and anxiety because they don't know if they're going to have a job to go back to. They They don't know what our economy and our society is going to look like. And when everybody speaks of a new normal, what do they mean by that? There's a lot of unanswered questions going forward. So like these dear saints in our text this morning, I find ourselves in similar predicaments. And then Paul would say the same thing to us. Number one, that the Lord is near. Number two, be anxious for nothing. Number three, pray about everything. And let your requests be made known to God. And allow God... To surround our hearts and minds with that peace that surpasses all understanding. And as a result, allowing the world to see that something radical is happening within us. That something is taking place. Now I mentioned to you about that car accident that I was in as a high school student. That brought me to a place that I couldn't realize how fearful I had become. Well, if you're interested, later on I began dating that young that gal that I was following home that day. Oh, and by the way, it was her father who led me to Jesus Christ. God is so good. And God knew even in my foolishness what he needed to do to get a hold of my heart. And my life has never been the same again. This morning, God is speaking to you. This is your appointment with God. Maybe you're fearful. Maybe anxiety is tearing you up inside and you can't sleep at night. You're worried about the unknown. You feel alone. I say to you this morning that God is here. And if you will come to Him, He will meet you here. And if you will embrace Him and place your faith and trust in Him, repenting of your sin and at receiving Him as your Savior a new life will begin within you. And it's in this new life that, that is derived by the Spirit's present within you. It is where you can have peace that surpasses all understanding. And no joy, even when the circumstances don't allow for it. Again, joy is so superior, so much vastly superior to happiness. Happiness is always predicated upon our circumstances, and that's why it's so hard to find, let alone maintain Because all the circumstances of life often have to be perfect before one can be happy. But joy is an attitude that allows us to rejoice in times of difficulty. And the reason we can do that is because we are in Christ. Because we are new believers in Jesus Christ. And that we are new people, excuse me, in Jesus Christ. And though I may be going through difficulties here on this earth, This is the worst it's ever going to get. It's only going to get better for those who are believers in Jesus. But for one who is in the world, this is the best it's going to get. Turn to God today. Reach out to Him. And only discover for yourself at that moment that He's been reaching out to you the whole time.